It is Friday, May 19th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. The Nuggets take a 2-0 series lead over the Lakers. And the never-ending hockey game. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Lakers let go of a fourth quarter lead. Nuggets now up 2-0 in the Western Conference Finals. The Florida Panthers win the sixth longest game in NHL history. Oh, that game's over now. Oh, that's that's interesting. <laughs> what, what's, what's the Vegas lead, Scott? Let's lead off with the NBA. We'll get to that hockey game. I feel like I still need time to digest from it, but let's uh, start Do with you? the... Do you? I'm so over-digested <laughs> on that hockey game. My God. I think it's because I didn't take a nap because the, the game ended and we had to record the podcast. Oh, so my gosh. I just, I just, I'm like going, I'm going crazy because I've just been up for so long. There, so. There's got to be a limit we got the come on nhl you're better than this no Put a no time limit on no, these games no no sorry no <laughs> uh, we'll get to that coming up in just a few minutes but let's start with the nba the uh lakers and nuggets now denver leading two games to none after a 108 103 win in game two last night in what you called a very entertaining basketball game I thought it was a really good game like it's one of those games that if if that were a finals game or if that were a game seven, we'd look at it as like an all-time great game. I thought it was a really well-played game. I thought it was there was drama. Uh, looked like the Lakers were comfortable, and then they weren't. <laughs> so uh, it, it was very enjoyable as a viewer. Um, you know, mixed results, mixed bag as a better, uh, because both Austin Reeves props sailed over for me. Anthony Davis, not so much. Mm. Uh, but in general, I, yeah, I, I thought it was a good game. I, I think that it did expose some flaws for the Lakers, though, and that, boy, they are so reliant on those top two guys. And if the offense is bad for those two guys, things can get really ugly for the Lakers. And LeBron is settling way too much for three-pointers. I mean, Anthony Davis settled for some three-pointers. And the idea that Dennis Schroeder's kicking it out off of a, like, giving up an, a free layup to kick it out to Anthony Davis for a three mm-hmm. in a key moment, I, I don't like what the the Lakers' offense turned to in the fourth quarter. Uh, I thought that they spent way too much time with Austin Reeves on the bench. Uh, they get a painful amount of time as the game slipped away. And it was just a bunch of D'Angelo Russell minutes that meant absolutely nothing, that gave nothing. And Reeves was just melting away on the bench when he'd been arguably their best player uh, for the first three quarters. So I think the Lakers have to make some some real adjustments. But I, I think, you know, the coaching is very important. And I think we've seen that we saw I said it in the Heat series. I said I thought coaching would be a factor because I think the, the Heat had the superior coach. I think the Nuggets clearly are the, the better coach team right now. Uh, so, but the Lakers, it's, it's going to be a, a big, uh, two day span for 
uh, Darvin Ham to try and fix what's going on with this team. Mackenzie Rivers is with us, our NBA expert here on Straight Out of Vegas AM. And Mac, you know, AJ talks about the Lakers needing too much from their top two players. But early on, you know, in the first half, Rui Hachimori really was like the top player in that first half. And I thought that this was a great sign for the Lakers moving forward that it wasn't LeBron or AD providing the offense early on. Yeah, the Lakers looked at the end of the game like they were relying too much on their top two players, and they were, but it wasn't out of necessity. It wasn't like they didn't have guys stepping up. You mentioned Austin Reeves, for my money, the best Laker tonight. He took a, he got 14 points when he hit a three with 11 minutes to go in the third quarter. Didn't take a shot till five minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Lakers went from up eight when he knocked down that three in the third to down 12. The next time he took a shot. That's crazy. One, there's one player in this series for the Lakers that's both hitting threes and can get by their man off the dribble. You saw what Jamal Murray did. He started cold, but they kept going to him and going into him because it started working. I felt like they went away from what was working. Rui Achimura again, seven for seven in the first half, three shots in the second half. There was no reason uh, why they had to become so one-dimensional. And LeBron has not hit a three-pointer in this series. He is 0 for 10 from beyond the arc right now. He in the stat you'll see kicked around all over the interwebs is 19 straight missed threes in the fourth quarter. He is one of his last 20 from three uh, in fourth quarters. Just it, it feels like he said, and it was a bad night for LeBron. I mean, LeBron had a turnover on a dunk, like a wide open dunk, and he it rolls it out of bounds. Like it was, it was a rough night for LeBron. Uh, but a lot of it is just shot selection and. I know you're LeBron, and it's it's tough for people to question you. But at some point, like maybe you're not Steph Curry. Stop stop shooting the ball like you're Steph Curry. Like get to the basket. It seems like the more high percentage shot for LeBron. Well, the guy that is kind of playing like Steph Curry is Jamal Murray. He had 23 points in the fourth quarter last night. His fourth career 20 point fourth quarter in the playoffs. That's the most of any player over the last 25 years. Mackenzie, I think it's time we put some respect on this kid's name. Yeah, we were talking on the Dream Preview uh, about the Nuggets championship aspirations and like how often does a player like Jamal Murray become the second best player in a championship team? And I'd say if he's playing like this, this is exactly uh, the type of Dwayne Wade uh, second banana that really works in the playoffs. I mean, uh, the fact that he could keep going to it – if you were listening to the broadcast, it was like every possession. Oh, Jamal Curry, Jamal Murray's cold tonight. Jamal Murray really doesn't have it. He's really struggling with his shot. But then six for seven in the fourth quarter, 23 points. It's that kind of consistency where you don't have to worry about him getting um, him getting shy. That really works. That keeps that keeps the, the engine going. Nuggets look like, I mean, I'm sure they're championship favorites now. They were after the Celtics loss. So uh, they're looking like the real deal. Yeah, yeah, so. he could he could not miss in the third quarter. That was a really good good final quarter for uh, Jamal Murray, to say the least. The Nuggets are now plus one ten to be the NBA champs. The Celtics are plus one fifty. Lakers down to plus eight fifty. This series price now with the Nuggets up two games to none, and I'm gonna say the cliche. So get mad at me, guys. But a series <laughs> doesn't begin until a team loses a home game. So right now everything is on schedule. The Nuggets minus 500, Lakers plus 390 on the comeback. Any interest in the Lakers? You know who agrees with you that the series hasn't even begun yet? That would be the Las Vegas market. You look at this game two line, it's unprecedented. Minus five for the Lakers. I checked the database. We've never gone from a five-point dog, greater than a five-point dog in game two, regardless, win or lose, to be a five-point favorite the very next game. The market is responding to these spots like never before. 
Uh, so they're going to be expected to win the next two games, and then it's a then it's a three game race. The zig what do you zig make of that, zag. McKenzie? Oh my goodness! I think it's an overreaction. I think people have been rewarded uh, for betting the spots so often the last couple of years, but um, it's definitely scary. It's definitely it's definitely. I don't want to necessarily put my money in the way of uh, the NBA making money, and uh, this does seem like a long series. Both games one and two. We're exciting down the stretch, but I couldn't lay five with a team that I think is two points worse, even you, if they're at home. You know what's going to be you, amazing is like the first half line is probably going to be four. Yeah, right. <laughs> Insane. They're, they're expected to win like by eight points per game versus a team that's favored to win the championship because of the spot. What did you think the Lakers did well in the first three quarters that is repeatable? Like, what, what do you think that the, like if, if the Lakers are going to take away any positive from this loss, which I know it's, it's a moral victory, sure. But if you're going to say, hey, this is something we did that's repeatable. What do you think it is? I think the way the matchup changed on Jokic and he had a decent first half, 16 points, cooled off in the second half, only seven points. But I felt like he's working for his points a lot more. And uh, you're going to. If they're making someone else beat him, I think that's a smart choice. So taking Anthony Davis off of Jokic, using him as a roamer, I think that's something that they keep going back to. You know, yeah, and, and Hachimura did a good job on both ends in this game, obviously. So that's a guy who I'm expecting to see a lot more of uh, as this series goes on. I'm looking at the the series spread prices, and I, I got to be honest, I think we have an opportunity here to bet on the Lakers to win two games in this series. Because Lakers plus two and a half games is minus 135. I, I, I feel like I'd be shocked if this is a 4-1 or a sweep series. I certainly don't disagree. I, I think the Lakers are, are like, again, I've, I've seen enough of these moments in these two games to think, man, the Lakers can really play with these guys. Obviously, it, it's tough for them to, to hang with them for a full four quarters, particularly in Denver. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't think... I, it doesn't feel like this is going to be sort of a runaway series, even though it is 2-0. And, and like McKenzie said, the Vegas market doesn't really think so either. Yeah, it wouldn't shock you if the Lakers won both games in L.A., would it? No. So then what? Well, and think about I, this. I, I if like they it. lose, if they don't cover, let's say they, they win by two or three, or, or, or let's say they lose in L.A., they're probably bigger favorites in game four, right? Yes, to avoid a sweep, yeah. Or yeah. yeah, the Lakers the Lakers will be favored in every home game that they get to play. So it's not a, it's not a bad call to think that they can win two of them. And just still again, undefeated yeah. at home in the playoffs. That Well, that's a great point, McKenzie. Exactly. They're undefeated at home in the playoffs. And so you don't even have to worry about the spread. I'm just going to bet minus 135 that they win both games in L.A. And I bet that's probably a better bet then, like, if you do Lakers money line, like, what would be minus 200 and minus 200? Would that be better than minus 135, McKenzie? Or? It would be. It would yeah. be, like, even money. Let me pull up the parlay calculator. So it'd be but, uh, it would be But it's slightly better. And, by the way, you can still win two games even if you don't win game three. It, that's four. what I was going to say. Yeah, exactly, you can yeah. lose three or four and win five. Like, it's not – It's you're right. So minus 205, minus 205 is plus 115. Okay. So, but I guess you pay a little bit of juice just for the 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 luxury of being able to win any of the games, not just games yeah. three and four. Because you're right, this series could the series the series could go seven. We don't know. The, the, the Lakers could have won this game tonight easily. Yes, like, it, it's it 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 felt like there was a, a five minute span where the game got away from the Lakers. And if you said yeah. who was the better team for most of the night, it felt like it was the Lakers. And that's despite a poor poor night from Anthony Davis and a maybe a subpar night from LeBron, 
So if that's what you got on a night where your top two guys weren't great, it, it's like to act like the Lakers aren't live in this series down 2-0, I think is, is absurd. And you mentioned that. that third quarter stretch. Uh, Austin Reeves, this is crazy. Plus 13 in the game, minus 18 when he was off the court in the 12 minutes that he was off the court, that big third quarter run that you mentioned. For the playoffs, Austin Reeves is plus eight and a half. By far the best Laker. Anthony Davis plus seven when he's on the court. LeBron James only plus two. Uh, so it seems like he is the difference. His, his offense, Anthony Davis's defense, must be uh, paramount if they're going to do anything. How similar is what Austin Reeves is doing to what Jordan Poole did last year? Because it feels like a guy who is has earned his trust in these playoffs. And like they they, they want to see more of him, although it felt like in the fourth quarter, there was it felt like something was keeping him off the floor. Right. I don't know if it was rest or what, but it, it feels like this is a guy who's really kind of earning his stripes right now with this team. And I imagine, you know, LeBron and AD have seen enough to say, hey, this is a guy we want out there battling with us late. It's a similar story. I think it's more sustainable. Jordan Poole did have maybe a better regular season last year when he was scoring 20 points a game when Curry was hurt. But in these playoffs, you talk about offense and defense, getting consistent shots, getting shots that the defense doesn't just give you like a 40-foot three. Uh, I think Austin Reeves is playing better this year than Jordan Poole did play last year. So we talked we talked about the overreaction, uh, if you will, with the spread going from game two to game three, where the Lakers are now a five point favorite in game three. Can we say it's a similar effect with game two tonight between the Heat and the Celtics? Because you would think off of that performance in game one, there'd be a little bit of market adjustment in favor of the Miami Heat, but it's quite the opposite because I think, McKenzie, if I'm, I'm not mistaken, they know that it's the zigzag. It's the home team that lost game one. Everyone's going to hammer them in game two, so now you got to pay a premium on it. Exactly. Uh, there's not a lot of public betters that are run into bet a plus nine, regardless of the circumstances, so they're going to leave it out there. Uh, I think, if anything, it's remarkable that it's the same number as it was in game one at most spots, where they're not giving the Celtics a bump. If anything, that bump that the Celtics should get being game two, having that premium, is counteracted by the fact that the Heat just are way better every round. We're considering them a point, a half point, consistently better than we thought the week before. But I think, we, before. I think we will see an adjustment, because I this is it closed at eight and a half, nine. But it right. was much lower than that. This is nine right now. I think by the time we get to tip off tonight, we could have a double digit spread. Wouldn't surprise me at all. And you see money coming in on the over. Uh, went from 211 to 213. Game two opened 215, now 216 and a half. That lends to people like uh, laying the points when you, have a, when you have money coming in on the over as well. AJ, I got a feeling, yeah, I think that, I got a feeling you're going to be on Miami again. I, I, if it's double digits, I'm certainly going to be on Miami again. It, I, as you know, I've been kind of the beating the drum for these, these Celtics. Like everybody's acting like this is the uh, the 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 '96 Bulls, and it's it's just not that. It's not that team. So uh, I until '97 proven... Bulls, maybe <laughs> maybe the '97. Tony right. Kukoc missing the buzzer beater. Yeah, but yeah, this is. It, it just feels like there's there's way too much respect being given to Boston. Like they're being treated like a flawless team, and I, I don't think that they are that. Yeah, um, you know, they're certainly not getting respect, the, the, the heat I'm talking about, as far as the series price goes, because the Celtics are down one game to none. They're minus 210 to win this series, and they're the second favorite now behind the Nuggets to win the NBA title, and it's rare that you see that with a team that is down one game to none in the playoffs.
And that's why yesterday when you said Jimmy Butler to win the MVP, like th- those things, like if you, if you really think the Heat are going to win the title, th- there's nobody else who's going to win the MVP. So I, I think that's some that's a way to look at it right now as well. I just think the price is not the price is not equivalent of what it should be for a team in this situation, up one game to none with home court advantage in the conference final, because that that's what people forget. Like I don't care what happens tonight, you 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 cannot deny. The Heat now have home court advantage. There is a potential five games left in this series after tonight, and three of those five games are in Miami. Something about the Celtics, the metrics that don't watch the games just love. I remember 86% chance to win last year's finals. We know how that turned out. Entering this series, ESPN Analytics, 97% Boston wins the series. They drop game one. What do you think it is now? What do you think the best and brightest at ESPN, all those MIT guys, conclude about the chance the Celtics win the series versus the Heat? What was it before? Ninety-seven percent ESPN analytics. So said. absurd. They're, they're gonna have they're gonna have it at like eighty-nine percent. Eighty-seven percent. They yeah. they've learned a little bit <laughs> from watching the game. Yeah. But yeah, eighty-seven percent is pretty absurd. Such a joke. Such it, a- it really is a joke. Yeah. <laughs> that those are those are ridiculous numbers. Well, all right, Mac. Are there any players tonight in this game that you see having a big night? Um, I mean, obviously the the Tatum's and the Butlers. We've talked ad nauseum on this show about looking at unders on the the top players, but is there anybody, any role player you could see having a big night or any one of those stars that you feel comfortable, like this is a spot to play under on them? Uh, ad nauseum. I didn't think I was boring you guys that much. <laughs> um, I, I, maybe I just, I, I meant that like we've talked about it a lot on no, this sure. show, and, and I, I, I think it's very valuable information. I'm certainly not bored by it, but it, it is something that we've discussed many, many times, so hopefully – our listeners have caught on. Mackenzie AJ just doesn't know the definition of ad nauseum. He just, clearly he not. Just, he just hears it. He just <laughs> hears it being thrown around a lot, and he's like, "Well, that's something people say." That's what I do. <laughs> not all of us are Yale English majors, all right. I feel like Tatum and Butler are going to be priced pretty close to where they were, and this game, the last game, one went way over. So I would, I would lean both of them unders. Um, but maybe maybe one of these other players that have got a lot of shots, but that's not necessarily scoring that much uh, in the playoffs. Michael Malcolm Brogdon probably going to be set around eleven and a half. I'd look at him over. Um, yeah, not not, not, not nothing uh, nothing uh, setting the world on fire. But those, that's what I'm thinking, just first glance. So Heat Celtics game two tonight in Boston. Celtics nine point favorites, and I'm seeing two fifteen and a half, two sixteen, two sixteen and a half. So certainly some variation on the totals depending on where you look. Game one of the Eastern Conference Finals has come to a close. Yes, finally. The sixth longest game in NHL history goes to the Panthers beating the Hurricanes in Carolina 3-2. Matthew Kachuk with the game winner in the fourth overtime with 12 seconds left in the fourth overtime as the Panthers win 3-2. You know, AJ, this this almost was over two minutes into the first overtime. Florida scored what would have been the game-winning goal, but then it was overturned due to goaltender interference. Little did they know they'd have to play uh, four full, almost four full overtimes instead of that goal counting. Yeah, absurd. Uh, I'm all for, like, w- listen, we complain about baseball. Like, uh, what, what are we doing here? This, this game's like 15 hours long. We got to have a time limit on these games. No, I, it's, uh, it, it was certainly intense. Uh, I would have been okay with, I, I feel like an overtime win would have been just fine. Like uh, the win in overtime 
that uh, you know you know watching the replay I, I don't really know the rules maybe it was goaltender interference maybe it wasn't i don't know it, in hindsight the referees were like man we should have let that go we we should have just counted that goal and gotten ourselves out <laughs> well of here. especially because florida wound up winning the game anyway so yep. it, it just wasted they, a lot of everybody's time they wasted a lot of everyone's time and now you have to wonder what's the impact of game two like what's the impact of this game on game two uh because game two is going to be saturday night in carolina uh but this is a very very late night this game ended about i don't know uh 2 a.m local time yeah. in north carolina yep so by the time these guys get you know back to the hotels and and get to sleep and you know they're probably riding an emotional high you don't get to bed till like 4 5 a.m maybe and then, you know, and then you have your day off and, and get ready for a game coming up on Saturday. I just, uh, I feel like it's just, there's, there has to be, a, there, there has to be an impact. I'll, I'll say this, and you, you correct me if I'm wrong, because I obviously I don't know much about hockey, but it seems like the guys who would be most affected by this are goaltenders, not because they're skating around and they're physically exhausted, but it's got to take such a mental, emotional toll on you to be like feel like you've got to be the sharpest that you've ever been in your life. And every shot is like do or die. And it, it's, it just feels like you're always in this super intense moment when you're the goaltender, especially when you're the goaltender for, you know, like almost two full hours of ice time. Uh, it feels like those guys, it, it, it's, it would take a toll on. Maybe I'm wrong, but it feels like maybe there's an over to look at in game two. See, I was thinking about an over as well. Mackenzie, can we look up, um, you know, the prior game in the playoffs is overtime and what the results are in the following game? Um, Can you do a query on that? Because I I was curious, and I'm thinking, the reason why I'm thinking over is because, yes, I do think fatigue comes into play, uh, especially, you know, with the quick turnaround now. And these both goaltenders were great last night. They stopped 80 consecutive shots combined before the game winner. Sergei Bavrovsky made 63 saves. Frederick Anderson made 57 saves. And... I'm just thinking now, I don't know this. We won't know this until tomorrow. But if there was an opportunity to, you know, give one of these guys a rest and maybe go to your other goaltender for game two. Do you do that in the playoffs? Like, it seems crazy. I mean, they just played four overtimes. Like, you know. Which also seems crazy. Yes. Uh, I'm just thinking if you were going to do it. Now, is it crazy? Because if you think about it, you know, Alex Lyon started the first couple of games of the playoffs for the Panthers. So they they went into the playoffs with Alex Lyon being their number one. And for Carolina, you know, they have three number ones, essentially. So I feel like, and Lyon wasn't good against the the Bruins. That's why they went back to Bobrovsky. But I feel like if there was uh, a switch in net for both teams, even, I would give Carolina the edge in game two. I still give Carolina the edge in game two. They outshot the Panthers in this game. And... There was just so many opportunities. You know, you got to give credit where credit's due. The Panthers definitely stayed in this game, and Bobrovsky was out of his mind. Uh, both goaltenders were. But I'd be very curious to see what the results of this query are to see if game, if the game after overtime goes over, because I would lean towards the over just on that. Mackenzie, we and have I want, the results? I want to look yeah. at multiple overtimes. So Don't we'll, have that, Okay. Uh, unfortunately. NHL database a little less robust, but surprisingly – 
700 games after an overtime in the playoffs, 48 and a half percent only overs. So slightly, uh, slightly an under, not enough to be profitable, but slightly an under trend. What about um, how does it go in terms of maybe the, the favorites? Like how do the favorites do in that following game overtime? Like regardless of what the outcome is, win yeah. or lose in the first game. Because that I'd be curious, because obviously Carolina's favored in game two. I mean, the home team losing game one to to bounce back in game two. Uh, yeah, I mean, that that's, I feel like the public's going to be on Carolina uh, after this one. So favorites are 58%, but you'd be doing better betting against them uh, after an overtime because the average line is minus 160. So mm. you need to be 60% to be profitable. Yeah, that's kind of how it was coming into this game. Favorites with a rest advantage were winning at 60% of the time, but it was a, um, a not not that profitable. It actually, it wasn't profitable because of the average money line. Carolina minus 154 for game two with the bounce back. Total is five and a half, juiced towards the over. Very similar to what we saw here in game number one. Actually, Carolina boosted up a little bit from the 145 to 150 that they were here in game number one. Uh, I you know what the wildest uh, the wildest story to me that came out of uh, last night's game was Matthew Kachuk is a high school classmate of Jason Tatum. Wow. I don't think I knew and that. Went to school together in St. Louis and uh, now both uh, trying to win their teams a championship uh, here in, in May uh pretty pretty uh pretty small world when you think and he went to one of those private schools she yeah. called chaminade where uh, you know bradley beal went to the same school mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh but it, it they they were there at the same time the same class so uh it, it is funny to see those two dudes both trying to uh win themselves a championship that's pretty wild that's like what like clayton kershaw and matt stafford or something yep we're, we're classmates wait uh, that's not true is it that that's is crazy. true. Yeah. No, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah Did you, this... you heard this one before? Did you know no, this no, one? Th- no, I had not heard this one. I okay. must have been a cool PE class. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt. Unless you were one of the nerdy kids and then it sucked. <laughs> Boy, this is not good for my Carolina series bet. And uh, But, you know, I think Carolina still, you know, I'm not counting them out of this series. Um, I, I still think they're the the slightly better team if you look at all the, the regular season numbers. And I thought that they got – an incredible boost last night by getting team uh, Tara Vinen back, who was injured in, I don't know, game three of the first round. So he hadn't played in, in a while. And Tara Vinen was one of their top scorers in the regular season. So they get him back on the ice last night. And he played a bunch. You know, he had 37 minutes of ice time. He uh, only put one shot on goal. He had two shots that were missed and one shot that was blocked. But um, the fact that he was back on the ice definitely, you know, it, it kind of, you know, now that they have a game with him, <laughs> two games essentially, because they basically played two games last night, uh, I think it'll have an impact coming up here in game two. One thing I'll say, and I know you wanted Carolina to win this game or you you projected them to win this game. I think we can agree that if, if Florida was going to win it, thank God they did it with 13 seconds left in the fourth overtime instead of going to the fifth overtime. I did, the intermissions in hockey are a killer. Like it, it just kind of, I get they've got a rest, but it kind of sucks the life out of it, right? Like mm. it, it, it's hard to keep momentum in a game. Like when, when there's all these long breaks in between all the overtime periods. Honestly, like 
if that game would have kept going last night, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what would have happened. <laughs> I mean, at, at, at some point, you're just thinking, like, how are these goaltenders just lasting, you know? Like, diving on every puck that gets by them, making incredible saves. I mean, yeah, I mean, the players can – you get a break, right? You're only on the minute – you're, you're only on the ice for, like, a minute or so. You know, you're shortening shifts in overtime. You're trying to keep legs fresh. But for these goaltenders – Man, it's like, how do they keep doing it? And then just to make save after save after save in these high-pressure moments, man, it it was uh, something to behold. And there were chances for both teams. I thought Florida had – I mean, Carolina had plenty of chances. They they had six power plays, and, um, you know, they converted on two of them. That's where they got their two goals in the the first and third periods. But – Unable to convert on, especially in overtime, on the power play. And uh, that's what did him in, I believe. And Bobrovsky was just insane with the 63 saves. So right now, updated. Well, that was the appetizer. That was the appetizer because the main event you're going to say is t- is tonight? Of course it's tonight. The main event is tonight. VGK against the Dallas Stars. I'll tell you what. Um, I-, I think this game might go mm, three overtimes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Vegas is a home favorite. Please, they please. are minus 125. Total is five and a half, and it's even. It's uh, minus 110 both ways. So no uh, no juice on either the over or the under. Uh, I lean towards the under. I kind of think that maybe seeing what we saw last night can give us uh, a little... A, a preview. Little, yeah, a little read into how these teams come out in game number one, because there were times in that game where both teams, Florida and Carolina, were so cautious and they were so um, methodical when it came to their line changes. They just didn't want to get caught, you know, in an odd man rush situation. And uh, I think that's what we could see tonight. Plus, you know, I love Jake Ottinger in net and uh, the crowd is going to be insane tonight tonight at the Fortress. I think we could see uh, a tightly played under game between Vegas and Dallas. I don't want to say it's going to go into multiple overtimes, but you know, I think a 3-2 finish is is probably what we could expect and and even if one of these teams winds up, you know, coming out ahead in a, in a uh, a multi-goal win, I, I think it's only going to be like 4-1. Like I don't think we're gonna get a, a six to two or seven to two type of game. So I think the most any team scores is four. Uh, if it's a four one game or a four nothing game, but I think we're more likely going to see three goals being the most that a team is gonna score tonight. Yeah, I tend to agree. This isn't Edmonton, uh, and you you were talking about how great Edmonton is scoring, and that ended up being a high scoring series between VGK and Edmonton. Uh, this is probably a more, you know, what you've what you've told me about Dallas, very uh, goal tending oriented team. Uh, so this should be more of a defensive struggle. So uh, I, I think you're on to something here. This should be a low score. Well, if you want an analytical look at uh, these two teams tonight, the number one team in the postseason in expected goal percentage is the Dallas Stars. Yes, the Dallas Stars, the number one team in expected goal percentage. Dallas has scored 30, uh, 29 goals this playoffs. Vegas has scored 30 goals this playoffs. But Vegas has only allowed 15 goals so far this postseason, while Dallas has allowed 28 goals. So they've only scored one more goal than they have uh, allowed. In terms of expected goals, though, Dallas has done exactly what they should have done. They scored 29 goals. They were expected to score 
29, 29.23. Vegas, meanwhile, 30 goals that they have scored in this postseason. Their expected goals, 21.78. So, yeah, a little bit of puck luck for uh, those teams. Uh, As far as Dallas's expected goals against, exactly where they should be. 28 goals against, expected goals. Actually, oh, excuse me. Uh, expected goals is down 23.33. So they've allowed five more goals than expected, but so is Vegas. Vegas expected goals against 20.28, and they allowed 15. So both teams have allowed five more goals than expected. But Vegas has really exceeded expectations when it comes to scoring the goals. So that's some interesting nuggets when it comes to the playoffs and how these teams have performed. As far as uh, the Corsi percentage, the shot attempt percentage, who has the edge? Dallas uh, with a pretty significant edge, about a 3% edge. And uh, with unblocked shot percentage as well, Dallas with about a, the same thing, about a 3% edge. So analytically speaking, Dallas over Vegas. That doesn't make you happy. No, no. I don't believe I, I don't believe in numbers. <laughs> we, uh, we could see a close game like we saw again last night. And, you know, someplace I might look in this game is to the first period. And I might look at Dallas plus a half a goal in the first period. Now, it's quite juicy, so I don't know if I could lay it. But um, that, that's something that I, I kind of like that's kind of where my head's at right now with this game. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How's your social battery right now, AJ? I know sometimes I get drained and it could be easy to ignore your social battery and just spread yourself too thin, you know, especially when it comes to social gatherings and maybe just things you're not in the mood for. Well, do you know the right amount of socializing you need to do to keep yourself balanced? Therapy can give you that self-awareness and you can build basically your routine that reflects what you need personally. Everybody's different in this way. That was a big driver for me when I was in therapy. I got a lot out of it, and it's so easy here. Give BetterHelp a try if you've said, I don't want to go out of my way to do this. It's all online. It's as convenient as can be, and it's suited to you. It's simple. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch at any time. For no additional charge, find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Vegas today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Vegas. AJ, it's important to me that the supplements that I take every single day are of the highest quality. And that's why ever since they jumped aboard as a sponsor with us, I've been drinking AG1 because for AG1, quality isn't just a buzzword. AG1's ingredients are heavily researched for efficacy and quality, and I love that every scoop has prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes for my gut support, B vitamins for energy. It's got the magnesium and ashwagandha for stress support, also testosterone support, vitamin C and zinc to support my immune system. I don't get sick anymore. Well, you're welcome for introducing you to AG1. Yeah, but uh, I mean, this stuff is incredible. And so many people have asked me, are you just reading commercials? No, man. AG1 is actually legit. 
And there's a reason why I drink it every single day. It just makes taking care of my health so much easier in general. So if you want to replace your multivitamin and more, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com slash SOV. That's drinkag1.com slash SOV. Check it out. After one round of the PGA Championship at Oak Hill. No, not the Oak Hill Academy. Well, a partial round. Partial round, yes. I was gonna yeah. I was gonna make a joke about Oak Hill and uh and and uh Carmelo Anthony and LeBron James playing <laughs> against each other in high school. But anyway, um yes, we have right I now I think that would that's a terrible premise for a joke, by the way. Is it? Oak Hill? Yeah, I, Oak I think Hill? so. I, I don't know. I guess I the, the, amount of, the amount of people listening to this podcast that have no idea what Oak Hill Academy is. I mean, I guess. <laughs> Rajon Rondo, yeah. Wayne Bacon. <laughs> it's not. I guess it's not the powerhouse it used to be. All right. Uh, I did not. I did not foresee a Dwayne Bacon mention coming on this <laughs> podcast. So that's a that that cash is a big long shot. Under the one. Although it is almost <laughs> which bre- was a bad pr- payout by the way. Don't it bet really under is. The one. <laughs> it is. It is almost breakfast time, and you say bacon just makes me really hungry. So uh, <laughs> let's talk about the PGA Championship. Uh, Eric Cole. Made stands up person. alone atop the leaderboard. He only finished 14 holes yesterday. Five under par. That's one stroke better than Bryson DeChambeau. That guy's still golfing. And yeah. uh, he is at four under. Scotty Scheffler at three under, along with Dustin Johnson, who's at three under as well. A couple of golfers uh, down the list here. Victor Hovland is two under. Adam Scott, who uh, our guy Will Doctor talked about. He is at two under, three strokes off the lead. Um, in terms of some guys that had some really bad uh, first rounds, you know, and, and I'm, I'm going to talk about, I guess, you know, well-known guys, guys that we were kind of thinking that had a chance to win this thing. Sunjay Im was a very popular pick to win this tournament. He shot a 10 over 80 in the first round yesterday. I'm going to go out on a... That's not a great number. Yeah, I'm going to go out on a limb and say he's not going to win. However, one golfer that shot a 6 over 76, I am not going to count him out. And that is John Rahm. John Rahm shot a 6 over. He bogeyed 16, 17, and 18 to bring his round from a manageable 3 over to a 6 over and that's going to take a lot of work for him to come back. But if there's anybody that could do it and find his way through the cut line and to have a good weekend, it would be John Rahm, AJ. Yeah, certainly impressive. And listen, weather obviously affecting a lot of the scores. So I think you should take everything with a grain of salt. Uh, you know, some guys had the better of it. Some guys had the worst of it. Uh, but the, the scores are certainly not what the players hoped they would be, but Nobody's running away with this thing yet. I don't think anybody's out of this thing yet. You know, you could you could have played four over golf and you're still in the top 75. So I think everything's going to be quite all right for these guys. All right. So let me go over some odds with you and get your thoughts. This guy, Eric Cole, who you said is a make, made up golfer, right? He is a made up, a made up person, made up person, not just a made up golfer, a made up person, Eric Cole, who is your leader right now and is at five under par. Now, he still has to finish his first round later on today and then play his second round. But still, he's the leader. His odds to win this tournament, plus 2,500. 
his odds to finish in the top 10 plus 180. Why shouldn't I place a bet on him to be in the top 10? He's the leader right now. Plus 180 just feels like a terrible payout. If John Rahm can have a seven over day on this course, I assure you Eric Cole is mm. more than capable of doing that today. So uh, again, let's not make a, a mountain out of one round. I, I think that Eric Cole was on the good side. And Eric Cole, remember Eric Cole's got four more holes to play today. So That's true. That's Eric, true. Eric Cole could finish the first round uh, at two under and then suddenly feel having a top 10 get picked, a top 10 ticket on him as opposed to a guy like Adam Scott or Victor Hovland, who you could have, you know, at, at, at two under par as well, suddenly feels like you're not getting the best of it. Boy, imagine sitting on like a Bryson DeChambeau first round leader ticket and you won't know the results until later on today. And you're just, you're just <laughs> hoping, waiting and waiting. And you're just waiting and you're like, I just need one bogey or, you know, to split the payouts or just two bogeys from this guy in the next couple you're of holes. You're hoping that Eric Cole slept wrong or something yeah, like, yeah, uh, you know, just, had a bad pillow. Just anything. Just, you're, yeah, you're you're sitting on that ticket just waiting for it to end. Uh, Scotty Scheffler is your favorite to win the tournament. He's at plus 230 now. Dustin Johnson is next at 7-1. to one. Bryson DeChambeau, the aforementioned, is 12-1. to one. Rory McIlroy, 20-1 to one to win the tournament. Our buddy Rory uh, sitting here at 1-over par so he's six strokes off the lead and he is the one two three four five sixth favorite yeah uh colin morikawa is also one over uh brooks Kepka, by, com- by comparison by comparison colin morikawa who's the same shot same uh strokes back as rory mcelroy he's 35 to one to win okay and, and i know you you liked brooks Kepka coming into this thing i like tony fina they're both plus two Kepka so Kepka 40 to 1. Oh, you, you that may be some decent value there. Oh boy, it's going to it's <laughs> he's got to have a he's got to have a monster day too. But I mean, him, it's he's not that far off honestly. Like well, he just he six, needs to have a monster day too and then moving day comes on Saturday and, and you see what you can do on moving day. Major League Baseball, AJ, what a night for you last night as the over in the Cardinals Dodgers game comes home with relative ease. Yeah, that was nice. Uh, the Orioles getting uh, Otanied didn't do me any favors, though. So I, I split out on Major League Baseball yesterday. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, though. I, I feel really good about my Cardinals' future to win the NL Central. They are turning yeah. this thing around, man. Yeah, well, it was a, a wild game. I mean, Urias was terrible. Wainwright was terrible. It was uh, everything you could have hoped for for an over game. Uh, I think they even put in like it was three touchdowns and some some two point <laughs> conversions. So maybe or maybe it was a field goal. I don't remember. Uh, but seven home runs for the Cardinals that that'll do that'll get the job done uh, most nights in Major League Baseball. Cardinals down now to plus two seventy five to win the NL Central. I know. They are the second favorite behind the Brewers, who are minus 150. Now, that doesn't mean that they're in second place, because they're not. They're still in last place. But they're the (laughs) second favorite right now to win the division. What do you think of that? This is a team, they're six games back, they're in last place, they're the second favorite to win the division. How big of a favorite were they going into the season? Because, it, it, I mean, it feels like they just had to have been such a massive favorite in such a poor division. No, no, Milwaukee was up there as well. Um, I mean, I had both in my preseason projections. I had both the Cardinals and the Brewers at 85 wins. Okay. I, I mean, it 
I guess it's it's not totally insane, but I mean the fact that the the Cardinals and if the Cardinals and Brewers were close at the beginning of the year, the Cardinals are in last place. That means the Brewers aren't. You would think the Brewers would have better odds. You would think maybe one of those other four or one of the other three teams had done something. The problem is we've talked about the Pirates. Great first month of the season, starting to look like it's pretty much fool's gold. I, I shouldn't. I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but it, it's starting to look like it's not as sustainable for that team who we didn't expect to have the talent to compete to begin with. Uh, the Chicago Cubs right now playing worse, worse than anybody in that division, just tumbling down the standings. And the Cincinnati Reds, no one thought much of them coming into the season. Again, a team that just doesn't have the kind of talent that the Brewers or the Cubs or the mm-hmm. Cardinals have. So uh, the only one that I guess I'm maybe surprised is that the Cubs aren't ahead of them. But the, like you, you mentioned there in last place, it's by one game. Exactly. You know, they, yep. it's they're it's all pretty tight and right they're, now. They're, so. And they're they're a pop they're a popular team. They're a national they're a national team, and they're hot right now. Uh, Five thirty eight projections for the win totals for the remainder of the season. Brewers at eighty eight and seventy four, the highest percentage to win the division. They have the Cardinals at eighty and eighty two, uh, which I don't I don't necessarily agree with. I think um, that the Cardinals have a chance to go over that. So I would play an over even still on a Cardinals win total um, updated for the remainder of this season. Let's take a look at the schedule here for tonight, Friday night in Major League Baseball. The Diamondbacks are at the Pirates with my boy, Zach Gallen on the hill against Johan Oviedo, Arizona minus Bird 170. Bird Zach Gallen. Yeah, how about that? Like, you know, Randy Johnson did it during a game. Zach Gallen doing it during warm-ups. Just kind of crazy. Um, but Gallen, 6-1 and one with a 2-3-5 ERA. My pick preseason to be the National League Cy Young Award winner. In case you're wondering, updated odds. Zach Gallen is the favorite to win the National League Cy Young at plus 175. So... I feel pretty good about my ticket. Uh, So Arizona minus 170. I'm going to find a way to play Arizona here, especially because Pittsburgh's just been uh, not good for the past two weeks or so. Yeah, it does feel like a uh, like the the price is a little cheap on gallon. I guess when you think about it's not like Arizona's a really good team. They've got a really good pitcher going. Yeah, Uh, they're on the road. So maybe 170 is a fair price. Uh, but I, I'm with you. The only way I'd look to is, is some something that says Zach Gallen's going to play well. My pick to win the American League Cy Young before the season started, Shane McClanahan, who's now at plus 400, the second favorite behind Garrett Cole. He is 7-0 and with a 2-3-4 ERA as the Rays host the Brewers. Adrian Hauser expected to go for uh, the Brewers. The Rays losing two out of three to the New York Mets. Maybe the Mets showing some signs of life, but uh, Tampa not scoring much yesterday, losing a hard luck extra innings loss the night before. And Tampa has lost now three games at home. They are the home team here. I would only look to the yeah. Rays. Uh, your I'm bo- Shane McClanahan, Day exactly, especially. Exactly. Your boy Clark Schmidt takes the mound for the Yankees in Cincinnati against the Reds. Sounds like an over. And, oh, uh, it's, it's at Cincinnati, too? Yeah. Oh, my God. Exactly. It's the gift that keeps giving. Ben Lively is on the mound for the uh, for the uh, Reds. No truth to the rumor that he's related to Blake Lively. Uh, so that means <laughs> that Ben Lively is not uh, Ryan Reynolds' brother-in-law. So I guess he doesn't own part of Wrexham. Anyway, um, <laughs> this total is at 10 
and a half, AJ. Oh, they've caught on. They've caught on to the Clark Schmidt system. Uh, yeah, that might. I don't know if I've ever played a baseball total over 10 and a half. Um, you played over 14 and a half, didn't you? Did, uh, no, not me. In uh, Mexico in City? Game? Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that is true. Where? No, yeah, uh, actually, no, I didn't. I actually played. Uh, I played over nine and a half when it oh, was. I forgot where, you got the good number you got when it opened number. erroneously. Yes, so, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a big number. I might, I might go over ten and a half. I mean, Clark Schmidt's so terrible at baseball, and this is the ultimate pitcher or the ultimate hitter's park. Mm-hmm. The Yankees have been hitting. The one thing that scares me a little is Blake Lively's brother has a one point <laughs> six nine ERA. So he's actually been pretty solid uh, in limited work. So I don't know. It's I guess this is going to be a stay away for me. We move on. The Cubs are at the Phillies. Marcus Stroman takes on Ranger Suarez. Ranger Suarez, um, you know, should be better than he is. He just came I was back. This is your boy, Ranger yeah, Suarez. He just, he just came back from injury. He made just one start last week. Gave up three runs in four innings in Colorado. Um, no home runs, though, which is a good sign in Colorado. So I'm, I'm interested to see how Ranger does here in his second start of the season. Uh, but Stroman's been really well, been pitching really well. So this one is interesting. Philly minus 125, total of eight and a half. Tigers at the Nationals. Matthew Boyd goes for the Tigers against uh, Jake Irvin for Washington. Detroit, a minus 115 road favorite, total of nine. Orioles at the Blue Jays. Kyle Gibson for the Orioles. You say Kikuchi, 5-0 with a 3.89 ERA for the Jays. Toronto minus 145. You say Kikuchi, I say Kakachi. It doesn't. What's the big difference? Mm, Orioles at this underdog price does seem interesting. Uh, The Guardians are at the Mets. Cal Quantrill goes for the Guardians. Carlos Carrasco against his former team as the Mets are minus 155 favorites, total of nine. And yeah, maybe the Mets can feed off that momentum getting those two wins. Carlos Carrasco as a minus 155 favorite. I know, Uh, but the Guardians can't score. They have no offense. Well, I don't know that it takes offense to beat up uh, Carlos Carrasco in in the year of our Lord 2023. He's been pretty rough. Bryce Elder gets the start for the Braves against Bryce Miller for the Mariners. Atlanta minus 150 in this one, total of eight and a half. And we have two pitchers in this one with ERAs of 1.94 and 0.47. Are those good? Those seem like good numbers. Yeah, well, Bryce Miller, since being uh, called up to get the start earlier this month, has um, pitched in three games. The Mariners have won all three games, and he's allowed just one run in 19 innings. So I take it I'm not getting uh, a total of 10 and a half in this game? No, no. Hmm. We have a total of eight and a half. I would have gone under 10 and a half, I think. So, I, that's a good bet. Uh, if, you, hey, if you can find a 10 and a half out there, by all means, play it. Alternate uh, line. Yes. Martin Perez gets the start for the Rangers at home against the Rockies. Uh, still don't know what the Colorado Rockies are going to do with their pitching situation, but Texas a heavy favorite, minus 225, total of nine. Zach Greinke against Michael Kopech. Royals at the White Sox. Chicago minus 135, total of nine and a half. This would seem like an over to me. Um, the A's are at the Astros. Houston, a heavy favorite, minus 250. Ken Waldachuk getting the start for the A's. Brandon Bielek. not Bielek. Bielek. Okay, I was going to say like Mayim Bialik, but no, it's uh, Bielek gets the start for the Astros. Minus 250, it's a heavy price, but then again, it is the Oakland A's. It, 
Yeah, no thanks. Belak's not very good. Uh, would not surprise me to see the the Strohs scuffle here. I it would, this is one of the, boy. Mark the tape. A's or pass for me tonight. Oh wow! Dodgers at the Cardinals as they resume their series. Tony Gonsolin gets a start for the Dodgers. Steven Matz for the Cards. L.A. minus one forty on the road here. I mean, look, I understand Steven Matz can't buy a win, but. The Cardinals are playing so well right now, and if they're going to continue to be priced as this heavy of an underdog at home, I feel like i got to take it. Yeah, Gonsolin has been the most consistent pitcher for the Dodgers so far this year. It's hard for me to want to fade the Dodgers uh, when he goes. So I, I, I did say, though, uh, if, you are going to, if you're going to fade the Dodger lineup, you want to do it against a lefty. They've got an opportunity tonight against or against a lefty, so maybe that's the way to go. But it, it, it's, it's probably a full stay away. Just because I really like the way Gonsolin's looked this year. We have the Twins at the Angels. Joe Ryan on the hill for the Twins, 6-1 with a 2.16 ERA. Reed at Detmers goes for L.A. Minnesota minus 130, and I love the Twins in this spot, especially with the Angels flying cross-country coming from Baltimore. So um, I think the Angels would be, uh, excuse me, the Twins would be a play for me in this one tonight. I, I think I'd like the under in this game. I think it's a pretty good pitching matchup. Detmers ha- doesn't have a win yet, but he's he's been solid as far as non-Otani Angels pitchers mm-hmm. go. And Joe Ryan's been phenomenal all season long. So uh, I, I don't I don't think and you mentioned the travel. I don't think the bats. I don't think the bats show up tonight. Yeah, I would agree. The bats certainly not for the Angels. Uh, Red Sox at the Padres. James Paxton goes for the Red Sox. Blake Snell for the Padres. Another matchup of James Paxton against the pitcher where it would have been a great matchup a couple of years ago. Uh, but Blake Snell, 1-5 with a 4-6-1 ERA. San Diego minus 140 in this spot, AJ. Paxton yeah. didn't look bad in his first start, I'll be honest. No, he did not. Uh, I'd still look at an over or nothing in this game, just because, like you said, Blake Snell's a, sh- a shell of himself. Mm-hmm. He's a snell of himself. <laughs> That's really uh, funny. And uh, thank you. And and James Paxton, listen, nice nice first uh, first outing, but I, I don't expect him to uh, to hold up all that well. And uh, a game that I briefly talked about uh, yesterday morning: the Marlins at the Giants, San Francisco minus one thirty. Anthony DiSclafani against Sandy Alcantara. I like. And the, we, you said like we're hammering Giants. who? The Anthony DiStefani, yep, home Giants. I like that tonight. Yeah, yeah. The, it, seeing Alcantara with a four nine one next to his name feels weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and you you mentioned this on yesterday's show, like two, two name brand pitchers, but one of them's been the the more name brand pitcher is the one who's been pitching poorly. Yep. So uh, and Marlins coming cross country, so I like that. I think you get you get some good value there on that. UFC Vegas seventy three is tomorrow night here in Las Vegas. Is this, uh, yeah, I was about to say, is this at the Apex? Yep, out at the Apex. So that means in a small cage, uh, which is good for grapplers. And in the small cage, good for grapplers. The main event, I'm going to go with Mackenzie Dern, minus 170. And Mackenzie may never blossom into what I think a lot of people thought she could be. Because she she was one of the she is one of the best female jujitsu players in the world. She she was a one trick pony then. I don't know that she's that anymore. Her striking's now decent. She's got some good power, and Angela Hill's the eternal gatekeeper. But that's what makes it weird because Mackenzie Dern's proven to be well beyond that proverbial gate. 
So I, I think Mackenzie Dern finds a way to a submission here in the small cage. I think it's harder for Angela Hill to keep distance. So give me Mackenzie Dern in the main event, minus 170 against Angela Overkill Hill. I feel like we've we've the name Mackenzie Dern's been around for a little while. Uh, no doubt both these names have been around for a little while. Uh, Mackenzie Dern, though, uh, it, it's funny. She actually got – she was making news this week because she was talking about – how and this does scare me off a little bit talking about how rough everything's been a change in camp she got divorced so she's had to fight through all this stuff so you're saying uh, she's single she is single and right. if you when you when you see her you may you may find yourself interested i know mackenzie will uh, i i mean oh no it'd be too weird oh that's true <laughs> oh yeah and listen we like i said she's been around we, we we're well aware of mackenzie dern so, yeah, Mackenzie Dern, Angela Hill in the main event. Not a great card. I'm not going to lie. There's a lot of crappy fights on this card. It's on free television. Watch it. Don't watch it. But Mackenzie Dern in the main event, minus 170. Make sure you guys go to pregame.com where you can take advantage of a variety of offers like a weekend all-access package. Choose your favorite pregame pro and get every pick for the weekend. Or... You can take advantage of our rest of May promo package. Get every pick for the rest of the month of May for less than the cost of one week. So you get more than one week for the cost of less than one week. All you got to do is go to value. Yes. All you got to do is go to pregame.com. Click on the buy picks page and click on discounted subscriptions to take advantage of this discounted subscription. And as always, a reminder, new members to pregame.com. Sign up and you get a free $25 just for signing up. And you can use that towards any of the discounted subscriptions. So head to pregame.com and take advantage now. For Mackenzie Rivers and AJ Hoffman, I'm Scott Seidenberg. We are straight out of Vegas AM.